Today on CityCast Philly, it's the Friday News Roundup. We're talking about SEPTA adding more countdown clocks to the L. Plus, what other changes are coming? Joel Embiid breaks a franchise record and how you can protect yourself from expensive towing fees. It's Friday, January 26th. I'm Trinae Nuri, and here's what Philly's talking about. Joining me this week is Jimena Condi, General Simon reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Welcome back to the show. Hey! And OJ Spivey, sports contributor at the Philadelphia Tribune. Glad to have you back on as well. Good morning, Trené. Always great to be on with you. All right, let's get into some news of the week. Let's start with SEPTA. Do y'all still use SEPTA? Oh, yeah. Almost almost every day. <laughs> um, OJ, how about for you? Uh, yes, um, I use it at least two, three times a week, mostly the regional rail. And being a native Philadelphian, of course, I've had my share of catching SEPTA uh, just over time, even going back to school. So so when you all need to know when your train is coming, when your bus is coming, do you use the app? Has that been helpful for you? I do not use the app. Um, I am anti-app. I sometimes try to go off of like Google Maps, but that is not always very accurate. This week, I waited 40 minutes for a bus that never showed. And then I ended up taking the Broad Street line anyway. So Google Maps doesn't always work. But what can you do? Well, I read in Philly Voice that maybe there is something that you can do. You can wait, (laughs) maybe not for the bus, but for the L train. There are countdown clocks that are at some of the stations along the L, and that's the Market Frankfurt line. And they're going to be adding more. Well, we don't know when they're going to be adding more, but according to Philly Voice, they're already at 30th Street and Girard stations. Have you all seen this type of technology before? Well, I haven't. I don't know how accurate they'll be because you can count down, but are they going to be synced to the trains? Are they going to be synced to the buses? So... That's my only question about it. Right. That's true. And this technology is supposed how it's supposed to work is that it shows subway riders when the next train's coming or when it will arrive. So it might say like one minute, two minutes or something like that. I hope it works, (laughs) Um, especially because it's like it's terrifying because if you're going to wherever you need to go, you kind of rely on SEPTA to take you there on time. So interesting. Another change that's coming to SEPTA is that they're actually changing what it's called. So according to their website, they are now calling themselves SEPTA Metro. I don't know about that. I think I'm still calling them SEPTA, (laughs) but I don't know. How do y'all feel about that? I am completely against this whole new SEPTA Metro thing. And then the one thing that stands out to me, which I dislike the most, uh, is the new acronyms. Uh, right. And I believe they're making the Market Frankfurt line. What is that? I think they're making it a... Just the L. Just the L. But how can you not make the L E-L? Because that's what Philadelphians know. E-L as L, elevated train. So that defeats the purpose. It seems more confusing. I know it's probably for tourists. I know it's probably for uh, transplants, which you know I love and respect. But... I just think you just have to keep it simple. I want to go back to what you mentioned about the L. Here's what's up on SEPTA's website. Quote, most people call it the EL, 
L already. Now the signs will match. That will make giving directions a whole lot easier, even if we forget the E. Starting in 2024, we'll be using single letters to refer to our subway, elevated, and trolley lines, together known as SEPTA Metro. This will make SEPTA easier to navigate no matter your language, ability, or level of familiarity. So they're going to have these new labels. L is going to be blue, and that is for the Market Frankfurt line. B, orange for the Broad Street line. T, now this one is interesting. T is going to be green for the subway surface trolley. So that's like the 10, 34, 13, 11, 36. G somehow is yellow, and that is supposed to indicate Route 15 trolley. For Gerard. (laughs) Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. D is going to be pink, and that is for the Media Sharon Hill line. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> D for maybe okay. This is a stretch. D for Delaware County. Yeah, that. that the more you like, go down, not... <laughs> Trinae, the more you go down the line with these new acronyms and these new initials, the more confusing it is. Again, for maybe transplants and tourists, it may be great, but for Native Philadelphians, I think it's a disaster. More news of the week after the break. This is CityCast Philly. I love when I can witness history, especially sports history. And in Philly this week, our Sixers center forward, who wears number 21 and last season's most valuable player, did just that. Embiid ended Monday night's game with a 133-123 to win over the San Antonio Spurs with a franchise record of 70 points. According to the NBA, Embiid also had 18 rebounds, five assists, one block, and one steal in 37 minutes. OJ and Jimena, what was it like to be in the Wells Fargo Center that night or just to watch the game? Yeah, well, I actually wasn't there at Wells Fargo, but I was able to see the whole game. And for Embiid to score 70 points, he's only the ninth player in NBA history uh, to score 70 points. And a lot of people were uh, telling me on social media, it's like, okay, well, uh, he broke Will Chamberlain's franchise record for with 68 points. They said, oh, well, did, didn't Will score 100? He did. But he scored 100 for the then Philadelphia Warriors, who are now the Golden State Warriors. So mm. uh, Embiid uh, surpassing the 68 is still a great feat. Even Allen Iverson has scored 60 points in a game before. But Embiid is just overall just having a great year. Uh, he's averaging 36 points a game. And if he keeps up this pace, Trené, he will be the first true center to average at least 35 points a game per in a season since Will Chamberlain in the 60s. Jimena, you were there, right? Yes. I was like way up top at the nosebleeds. It was incredible. I remember texting my friends after the first quarter being like, wow, 25 points in in the first quarter. And also like there was a moment in the third when he um, was at the free throw line and, and hit 60 and the entire Wells Fargo Center was just like about to explode. It was incredible. The vibes were very good, and um, 
at the end, it was very cute because you could see like the cameras like focus in on Embiid hugging Brett Brown, his first coach with like teammates, Furkan Korkmaz and Robert Covington. And he just seemed so happy. And the fans were also like going bananas. Like, you know, they really showed up for that game. I just want to point out, y'all may not see this, but OJ is wearing a Sixers shirt and I love it. Yeah, it's I can't shoot as well as Joel Embiid, but I'm I'm wearing one of the shooting shirts, so I'm just trying to represent here as I cover the Sixers for a living and uh, everyone here in Philadelphia, the NBA rather, of just witnessing history. I uh, watched some of the aftermath and the reactions from teammates, and they dumped water on them, and they were just celebrating him. What also caught my eye, I saw on social media this week, is other notable NBA players reacting to the news of him getting 70 points. So it, w- it was such a great night. It was such a great night for Philly sports. Jimena, you've been reporting about the experiences of some drivers who were involved in recent car crashes but somehow got hit with a really expensive bill from a particular West Philly tow company. Can you tell us about what happened to Yulia? Yeah, so it's a rainy Sunday night in December. Yulia is driving from Center City to her home in West Philly with her two kids in the car. She is a relatively new driver, started driving in 2023, got her first car for work in the fall of 2023, and Literally, December, she's like driving through West Philly to head home. And then a car without putting on their blinker or looking behind them just like peels out of their parking spot and hits her. And she's not injured, neither are her kids, but she's really shaken up. And they, the driver admits fault. They call the police because no one's injured. The Philadelphia police won't send out an officer. They're like, okay, just go to the precinct and file a report. So Yulia, not knowing what to do, calls her insurer, gets a voicemail because it's after hours, and she's asking for a tow truck and also advice on what to do. Almost minutes later, Yulia says a tow truck shows up, tells her that he's been sent by insurance, and gives her like a slip to sign. And he's like, hey, you won't have to pay for this tow out of pocket. Insurance will cover everything. And again, Yulia's with her kids. She's pretty shaken. They're pretty shaken. She signs the slip. And almost immediately, the red flags start to pile up the minute Mm -hmm. she gets home. She realizes that the GPS that's in her car, the address that it's listing doesn't match up with the addresses on the business card that she got. She also notices on her insurance website as she's filing her claim that the tow company is actually not on the list of approved businesses with her insurer. Mm. And then on Monday, for some reason, she really can't get a hold of anyone. And then by the time she can, the lot is about to close. And so on Tuesday is when she finally, you know, pinpoints her car, goes to the lot, and then they slap her with a $2,800 bill for essentially two nights and a day of storage. And they also tell her, hey, you can only make this in a cash payment. What? And so, yeah. So Yulia is like, is this normal? She starts asking around. A neighbor's like, this is definitely not normal. They go to council member Kendra Brooks's office and a constituent services representative gets involved. And she even says it it was very difficult to get through to 
either of the companies that are listed on the business card. And finally, the car insurance company gets involved and they negotiate with this towing company. And they were are able to talk the bill down to $2,000. And essentially because Yulia needs the car for work and because she's afraid of getting charged with more fees, she borrows money because she doesn't have it on hand. She borrows money from some friends and she gets her car back. But it turns out it's not just Yulia. I talked to another couple that had a very similar experience. And, you know, when their tow truck shows up, they don't tell them that insurance is going to cover it. But they do tell them they have this sticker on the truck and it says police rotation. So, you know, the couple thinks, oh, they're like with the city and the city does have this program. And basically it puts them on a list whenever there's an accident, police dispatch will like pull up a name and then the tow truck company can essentially show up to the scene of a crash site and tow the truck. But they're also agreeing, hey, we're not going to overcharge. There are caps you know, for storage. For example, it's like $25 a day for a car that's under 11,000 pounds. And, you know, a tow cannot exceed like $215. But it turns out uh, for this other couple, this tow truck company is not part of this program. And they also get slapped with like a bill that exceeds like $1,000. And it turns out after the story published, a lot of readers wrote in to, to the paper to say that very similar things had happened to them, not with the same companies that I initially wrote about, but, you know, in, in Northeast Philly, in West Philly, all over the place. So, Jimena, in your reporting, you describe this as predatory towing. You just mentioned that it's happening all over the city. There's also this agency known as the Pennsylvania Insurance Fraud Prevention Authority who work to find tow companies who are charging drivers high fees. How does this agency spot bad actors? So over the summer, the Fraud Prevention Authority gives the Philadelphia Police Department a grant to start a two-person tow truck task force to sort of go after these predatory towers and investigate them. Regular drivers can't reach out to the task force directly. Essentially, the way it works is the Philadelphia Police Department and insurance companies give the tow task force referrals. But once they have the case on their hands, they can look into it. But the Insurance Fraud Prevention Authority has a couple of tips. The way it works currently is you can take a tow truck company to small claims court. But, you know, in the case of Yulia and other drivers we talked to, it's time consuming, it's expensive, and it's not really worth it. Another thing you can do is file a complaint with the Bureau of Consumer Protection at the Attorney General's office. and. In Philadelphia, for example, you can file a complaint through auto return, which is like a third party used by the city to streamline the towing process and drivers can, you know, file their complaints there. But the Insurance Fraud Prevention Authority does say that the best way to sort of deal with these predatory towers, because they hear about it all the time, you know, people get into an accident and then suddenly five tow trucks like show up at the scene. Right. And that could be overwhelming for a driver. But what is helpful is to know what your insurance provides ahead of time. So just like look over your insurance and see if they provide roadside assistance and have that number just ready or like saved in your phone. So in the off chance that you do get into an accident and you're nervous and you don't know what to do, you have that number at the ready. Right. Thank you for these tips. 
Amanda Condi, General Assignment Reporter at the Philadelphia Inquirer, and OJ Spivey, Sports Contributor at the Philadelphia Tribune. Thank you both so much for joining me this week on CityCast Philly. Thank you, Trinae. Yeah, thank you for having me back. It's time for the tip of the week, where we share a life hack for living in Philly. With all the snow and rain we've been having lately, our streets are at risk to develop more potholes. I know, I know, more potholes. But if you see a pothole that needs to be filled, you could take a picture and write down its size, location, and shape. Then you can call the Department of Streets at 311 or fill out a form on their website with this information. We'll have a link in our show notes. If you have a tip of the week, we'd love to hear from you too. Call or text us at 215-259-8170. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. Our executive producer is Laura Benchall. Our producers are Abby Fritz, Elizabeth Kama, and Noah Snyderman. Our Hey Philly newsletter editor is Asha Prahar. And our host is me, Trine Nuri. Music is by Philly's own Interminable with additional music from All the Kimonos and James Weldon. If you enjoy this week of episodes, tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and make sure y'all subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Philly. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Have a great weekend and be safe, y'all. Bye. Bye.